What is going on, folks? Very first episode of MMA Suck Alive. Preview show, recap show today. No interviews. Myself, Jeremy Brand, the man behind MMASucker.com, and managing editor Dan Rose at the helm in the passenger seat joining us today. Dan, how's it going, man? Not too bad, buddy. How about yourself? Can't complain. I always talk about the weather when I'm doing a podcast, and the weather is pretty darn good up here in Vancouver right now, so cannot complain at all. Nice. We're, uh, as you know, just down the coast a couple hours in Seattle and overcast, but pretty pretty nice. We haven't had any snow, really, to speak of this year. Nice. Now, before we get cracking on the, the recap of UFC on ABC1, uh, I figured we'd dive into each other a little bit here and, and just get to know each other uh, in terms of what you've done so that the viewing listenership can can understand what we bring to the table. I myself started MMASucka.com in 2009 uh, just on a whim. Came about, had some fun with it, and it's grown and blossomed from there. About four years ago, we partnered with Last Word on Sports. It's gone uphill. We had a pinnacle of a year last year. December was amazing, and and you know you're to thank for that, along with the other managing editor Connor, blah, 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 managing editor Connor. Uh, but that's about me. I mean, I used to do interviews. I uh, hosted the UG podcast. I hosted my own podcast, Sucker Radio. Whole bunch of other shindigs uh, along the way. I wrote for One Championship at one point, uh, which is conflict of interest, of course. But I didn't give a shit. Uh, who the hell cares? What about you, Dan? Uh, what got you interested in mixed martial arts? Just talk about the road you've come on, man. Man, I've uh, loved mixed martial arts since UFC 1. I watched uh, – I started writing. I joined SureDog.com back in the mid-'90s and uh, – well, late-'90s and covered events for them, got to travel all over and cover a bunch of events in the early 2000s. Then from then I uh, wrote for MMA Gospel – I started my own site, nhbspot.com, hosted radio show there at NHB Spot Radio. And then I went on and uh, got hooked up with Evan Showman and, and Dion Harrison, and we hosted uh, Six Star Podcast and, and stuff like that. And then, of course, a couple years ago, a year and a half ago, I was over at mikeswick.com and then made the trans transfer over here to MMA Sucker, where it's been absolutely brilliant and uh, haven't looked back. And now I'm starting this road with you this new mma sucker live it's going to be a lot of fun i think i definitely think so as well i think you know we're gonna bring on interviews we got a pretty good little black book of uh fighter contacts along with pr contacts that we can bring to the game and and we're gonna try to make it a little different than every other mma podcast out there we're not gonna ask about their fight camps we're not gonna dive into that kind of stuff we want to get to know the fighter uh, I said on a, on a podcast last week uh, that there's a show out there where they really get to know the fighters on a deeper level. Well, we're going to sort of go down that road, but take it a little, little differently. What, what can you give a little bit of insight uh, as to what people can expect from this? You know, like you said, we're not going to be like, how was your fight camp? Who did you train with? My goal um, through this podcast is to get the fans out there um, – to know more about the fighters themselves, what they're doing when they're not training. I want to know what they're streaming on Netflix. I want to know what video games they're playing, what they're eating when they're not training. I, I just want to have a little bit of insight into the fighters' lives beyond the octagon because I feel like when you become emotionally invested with a fighter, 
you follow that fighter much more closely. Like there's people that you know and that I know in this sport that we have relations with relationships with outside of fighting. And it just means that when those guys fight, it's all the more exciting for me to watch a guy like Shane Burgos or Jake Ellenberger compete when you know them outside of the cage and have gotten to know them a little bit as people. For sure. Now let's dive into what we were talking about there. UFC on ABC one went down uh, this past Saturday live from fight Island early morning event, which I like on a Saturday because you know, we get to sit up, get up early drink some orange juice instead of some beers uh but the main event itself man let's let's just show everyone what happened in that one with max holloway having some serious fun inside the octagon against calvin cater look at that yeah just messing around like he even talked to the the commentary crew there i think and was like you know i'm the best boxer in the ufc look what i can do look what i can do like that was amazing. It was probably was so I'll go on record as saying it was probably the best performance I've ever seen from Max and one of the best striking performances I've ever seen period in the octagon. For sure. And Max isn't necessarily known as a guy who has the crispest boxing like Calvin Cater came into this fight actually saying he was going to be the better boxer. Yeah, and if you watched Calvin in the past, you you I kind of had that same you know, thought process going in that Max was probably a tougher fighter, but uh, Calvin was probably the more polished striker. And boy, I, I was just blown completely out of the water by uh, Max's performance. It was unbelievable. For sure. For sure. I completely agree. Now we can talk about the prelims, but I figure let's talk about the main card to start. And then we can go over some of the highlights that you thought were great on the prelims. Sure. Uh, starting off, Starting off the main card, Punahili Soriano defeated Dusko Todorovic. And you know what? That fight was a surprise because a lot of people thought Dusko was going to get the job in there. A lot of people actually picked him in, in uh, where uh, you and I were in the last one standing. I'm still in the last one. Okay, I used to be in it. <laughs> I'm still in it. And uh, that guy was one of the main guys that a lot of people pick him and uh, Joaquin Buckley who also fell short, but we'll talk about that in a little bit. What were your thoughts on uh, Soriano's performance, and, and were you at all surprised by this? I was surprised, yes. Um, I'm blown away by how, how good he looked in there. Um, I, I honestly – I was this card, this main card, had quite a few upsets, really, as far as I was concerned. And uh, this was one of them. I expected uh, – Dusko to go in there and get the victory, but Soriano looked great. I mean, he he looked really good in there. And uh, he's definitely somebody who, at 185, I want to see more of in the UFC. For sure. And, and Soriano as well. I mean, he started off fairly slow. He... Uh... He didn't. He he overextended his punches, is what I'm trying to say, and he let Dusko really get inside on him. Once he started to figure out the range, that's when the fight completely changed. Absolutely. As soon as he started getting range on it, he was able to land. Uh, I, I was impressed how well he set his strikes up once he got inside of range. And uh, he, I mean, I'm like I said, I was blown away by it. I didn't expect it of him. And uh, it's impressive, and I'm looking forward to seeing him in there again in the not-too-distant future. 
for sure. Next up, as I spoke about Joaquin Buckley uh, losing, he was one of the largest favorites on the card. I think he might have been a minus 300 at, at the biggest point in, in the, the betting game. Alessio De Chirico knocked him out with a beautiful high kick in the first round. Uh, that one, again, Buckley, uh, I don't know whether he's – he. I mean, to me, he's a little overrated because of, you know, the flashy knockouts that we saw from him in the sure. past. So a lot of people expect that flash from him. And if it doesn't come, it doesn't come. Anybody inside the octagon can be knocked out. Not necessarily overrated. I, I guess I stated that wrong. But anybody on any given day can be knocked out at any given time. These guys weren't too far apart from each other in terms of their spots in that division. So anything can happen. Again, this one I wasn't uber surprised about. Yeah, I think that, like you said, overrated might not be the the right word, but kind of overhyped at this point because of the knockout of the year that he had. Um, but this is a guy that's lost now two of his last four, both by stoppage. I mean, Kevin Holland beat him. Not that there's anything wrong with losing to Kevin Holland. But uh, this one, I think, hurts his credibility going forward a little bit more than that loss to Holland because, I mean – what was it? Two minutes in, and he ate that head kick. And like you said, anyone that takes shin to the head can go to sleep. Nobody's immune to being knocked out, especially in the UFC. But I think that this one's going to hurt his uh, his hype a little bit going forward. And I was again, I was surprised. I I expected him to uh, get the victory, so it surprised me when he got stopped. Next up on the card, Li Jingliang defeats Santiago Ponzinibbio. Head punch or punches knockout in, in the first round, uh, 425 into the very first round. And you know what? Another upset here. Why don't we have a look at this one uh, from the UFC Instagram page as well? Man, oh man. Like just... The movement. He's so unpredictable. He's awkward in there, it looks like. He looks yeah. I've never been a big fan of his, to be completely honest with you. No, but I, I was oh, super man, what a shot. What a shot. And the thing with that is like I like I said, he's very unpredictable in there. You say maybe not a fan, but what I say is the guy is as exciting as they come almost every time he gets in the cage. And it's not always the most technical, technically sound uh, appearance inside the cage, but he gives it and he goes balls to the walls every single time. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he, he was coming off of a loss to Neil Magny that went the distance. I mean, I can say I'm not a huge fan of his, but he's won four out of five now of his last five. And I think that his herky-jerky style makes him really – a difficult matchup for a lot of people there. And uh, I mean, whether or not I'm the biggest fan of his or not, I respect his abilities. And I was surprised again. I'm Again, I'll keep saying it. I was surprised again. I know that it had been a long time since we've seen Pon, you know, Ponzi in there, but I was surprised that he stopped him, especially in the first round like that. For sure. For sure. Completely. I completely agree with that because, I mean – he wasn't expected to win in last one standing. Actually, I might add to this. I, I didn't pick this. I've actually gone with picking the very first fight on the card so that I'm not stressed out the whole night. <laughs> but um, a lot of guys went zero and two, zero and three.
because they picked these big favorites like Buckley and Ponzinibbio and, and they were expected to win. So yeah, these are for sure surprises. Yeah. Uh, and another, no, not a surprise in the co-main event, but maybe a surprise that it went the distance because, um, Carlos Condit came into this one expecting to absolutely dominate Matt Brown. And he got a 30, 27 on all three judges scorecards, but he didn't get the job done like he was saying in all his pre-fight interviews. He said the old natural-born killer was going to come in there, get the job done. Obviously, Matt Brown is a very tough guy to stop. Uh, were you surprised that it went the distance, or, or was this uh, just the way it was going to go in your mind? You know, going into the fight, I thought that there actually was a really good chance that it went the distance. And I thought that if it, Carlos Condit were to win the fight, I thought it might go the distance just because of how durable Matt Brown is. Um, I felt like if Matt Brown was going to lose within within the distance, it'd be caught in a submission, and that just never really never really happened. I mean, Carlos did a great job controlling the ground. I thought that uh, it was impressive how he was able to control Matt Brown, um, his grappling. I mean, it's obviously a great area of improvement for Condit, but I mean, I'd watch these two guys fight again next week. I don't care if it's thirty to twenty-seven. 100%. The rounds were were you know competitive and those guys are both just so durable and tough i i like watching both of them fight every time speaking of toughness the main event we spoke about it earlier uh we showed a little highlight of max holloway toying with calvin cater but you got to give it to calvin man the guy took some serious punches actually he took the most amount of significant strikes in a ufc fight which was like blew it out of the water, 425 or something like that. It's ridiculous. Unheard of. Uh, it was easily the best performance we've ever seen from Max Holloway. Uh, and it proved that Calvin Cater can stand and bang with anybody in the world. He might not necessarily win, but he can get in there and he's one a tough SOB. I'll tell you what I think about Calvin Cater too, is I don't think... I mean, this is his first time up the ladder. You know what I mean? He might be older than Max Holloway and all that, but I think that we'll see Calvin back in the title picture again. I think that he's a guy that probably outside of uh, maybe the top two or three guys in the division can beat anybody. And that's not to say he can't beat those guys because he can. He can beat Volk. He can beat Max. But – uh I think that we'll see a lot more out of him going forward. He's so durable, and his striking is really top-notch. I mean, he, he was outclassed on Saturday, but his striking is, is very, very good, very technical. So do you think we see Max Holloway versus the winner of uh, Volk, Volkanovski uh, T-City? Because that's the next fight. And, and we're actually, before I ask if he's the next guy for the title – were you surprised that that fight got made? I was a little surprised that they made that fight. Yeah, I thought that Max deserves, you know, but what do you do? You can't run them back to back to back, you know. I personally still feel that Max Holloway won the second fight For versus sure. Volkanovski. So I'm a little surprised they made that fight, but I think it's going to be a good fight. And I think that undoubtedly Max with this performance has set himself up for the winner. Now, does he wait that long, though, is the question. I honestly don't know. I don't think – I there's something in me that keeps thinking that Max is going to go to 155. Huh. 
Um, I know that uh, he, he has some interest in fighting Conor McGregor there. And I think that would be a, a great fight. Conor McGregor and Max Holloway at 155 now. But I, I don't know. I mean, what's his alternative if he doesn't wait? If he doesn't move up, what's left there right now at featherweight for him? Yeah, I don't know. But uh, let's move away from that, I guess. let's. In the prelims, uh, I said we were talking to main card. The preliminary card had all decisions. Was there anything on the preliminary card that, that stood out to you? Well, I mean, nothing that really, like, I thought was awesome. I thought that I was surprised maybe that uh, Carlos Felipe won his fight versus Tafa. It was a split decision, but, I, I mean, you can't argue with it either way. I was impressed with uh, Vanessa Melo's fight over uh, Sarah Moras. So. But, no, nothing on the undercard really wowed me. I'll say that much. Fair enough, fair enough, because, you know, Sarah Morris, uh, she sounded louder than any of her uh, <laughs> any of her strikes landed. I, I think they uh, they combined for a very minimal amount of strikes landed in that in that fight. Yeah, I agree. It, I mean, just because a fight goes the distance doesn't mean I'm not going to like it, obviously. But a lot of these fights that went the distance on the prelims weren't exactly like stellar you know back and forth wars or anything for sure now let's move away from this and let's move to wednesday night we're treated to a midweek fight card three fights in one week we've got ufc on espn 20 which features michael chiesa versus neil magny in the main event yeah uh, two very terrible guys. get up early to watch it yeah yeah definitely a early one but uh there are a crap ton of fights on this card, I might say. Uh, I think something like uh, 14 fights on the card if none of them are canceled, which is insane. Uh, a few notable fights I, I see in the prelims. Obviously, Umar Nurmagomedov is taking on Sergei Morozov. Uh, two Russians coming in there, and anyone with the name Nurmagomedov is going to be noticed inside yes, the octagon. Indeed. Yeah, he's... And uh, he's a Go good on. young fighter as well. I think that that could be a that has potential to be a good fight. I mean, both guys are, you know, packing good records and everything else. I haven't seen. I I say I haven't seen Nurmagomedov before, and I have not. But you're right. Anybody with that name is going to automatically get some attention going into the fight. Looking through the prelims, are there are there any other fights on those prelims that it, that pique your interest? Um, I like Mike Davis, so I'll be interested to watch his fight with uh, Mason Jones. Um, you know, I'm looking through it right now, to be honest with you. I haven't really done too much studying on this yet. Tom Breeze has a, has a good style that I like to watch usually. But uh, to be completely honest with you, the prelims, there's a lot of guys that are under the radar for me who I haven't really – seen compete very often so I'm, I'm always down to watch that kind of like watching an lfa card definitely now a, a couple fights on the on the preliminary card that that i liked is uh the flyweight matchup between sue maderji and zaruk adeshev because sue 
put on an amazing performance in his last UFC outing. Uh, let me just pull that up. He did. And, You're absolutely uh, right. You know about it. Yeah, like a knockout in the first round, 44 seconds in against Malcolm Gordon. Gordon didn't seem to know what he was doing in there. He beat Andre Sukumath in, in the fight before that one in a decision. Uh, his lone loss was in his UFC debut to Louis Smolka. So Smolka. the guy has a... Yeah, the guy has a lot uh, coming into this, a two-fight win streak. Uh, I'm excited for that one. And obviously, Ricky Simone, the guy is always fun to watch inside the cage. He's got great wrestling, great power. Unfortunately, he does not have the mullet anymore, but I'm always a fan to watch Ricky Simone inside the octagon. It is kind of a bummer that he lost the mullet. Now, Definitely. Yeah. I enjoy watching him fight for sure. Now the main card, uh, we could kick things off with the featherweight fight, but I, I'm not honestly not too huge, or, or I don't know too much about Leron Murphy, so I'm not going to talk about that fight. But let's move to the next fight on the card, which is a flyweight match that was actually lined up previously between Matt Schnell and Tyson Nam. This fight has fireworks written all over it. Yeah, it, it really does. I like Tyson. I think the. He's an experienced fighter. Schnell is obviously a good fighter, too. Um, this one, I think, could... Uh, to be completely honest with you, I would rather this fight kick off the main card, but it's not, so so be it. <laughs> For sure. Uh, Tyson Nam, actually, I, I had him. He was like my last interview that I ever did with Sucker Radio, I think. And, you know, Tyson had been through every single organization in the world, basically, before making it to the UFC a lot of people think that it was really late to the game. The guy beat Ali Bagatinov, who was a UFC flyweight uh, title contender back in the day. Uh, total upset for uh, Tyson to, to pull off that victory. And uh, since joining the UFC, he's gone two and two. But uh, going back to bantamweight, man, that was the best decision he's ever made. And performance of the night, his uh, fight two fights ago with a knockout, and uh, Jerome Rivera, another TKO with a giant punch uh, in the second round. So I'm a huge fan of Tyson now. Matt Schnell, obviously. Uh, I was a fan of him on that reality show that he did way back in the day. Yeah. And uh, it's, cool to see, it's cool to see him inside the octagon and rising up the ranks because the winner of this fight, who knows, they're, they're in that sort of upper echelon of the division for sure. Yeah, I mean, you go back and you look at, you look at Matt Schnell – he had won four in a row before his last fight, before he was beat by Pantoja. So, I mean, both of these guys are, are guys who are ready to take the next step, like you say. And the winner of this fight will establish himself in that top 15 range and, and start looking for better and bigger fights. But, the, yeah, I, I agree. On paper, this is a, this is a dynamite fight. Fight of the night written all over it. Next up, women's flyweight Roxanne Modafferi, former MMASucka.com staff writer. Uh, gotta love any time that Roxy gets inside the cage. Taking on Vivian Aragio, or Orajo, however you say that. I, I probably butchered that. But they do not ever give Roxy an easy fight. Uh, anytime she steps inside the cage, she's always got a tough fight on her hands. Uh, she won her last fight against Montana De La Rosa. I think it was a little controversial, that victory. 
but she ended up pulling it off. The judges gave her the scorecards. Lost to Jessica. Oh no, no, no! I'm looking at the wrong card. What am I talking about? That's I say that was the Arujo or Arujo. Yeah, yeah. Arujo beat Montella, Montana De La Rosa in her last fight and lost to Jessica I previously. So she's coming into this on a one fight uh, victory. She's three and one inside the octagon. And she's fought, I think, in three different weight classes inside the Octagon, which is also crazy. Yeah. But again, they never give Roxy an easy fight. How do you see this one playing out, Dan? You know, I think this is another one that uh, it's not going to be a very easy fight for Roxy, who seems to be kind of in the win one, lose one, win one, lose one, win one, lose one kind of pattern. So. But uh, I think that uh, she has a good chance to uh, to win this fight. I don't think that you know Roxy has just continuously gets better every time she's out there. She's one of those fighters who have been around forever. And back in the day, it was her grappling and submissions that were you know top notch. But uh, her striking continues to get better and better and better and. I think she has an, a good chance at winning this fight. I wouldn't be surprised if she were to lose, but this is a good fight on paper, and I think that it's a good fight for Roxy to maybe be able to showcase some of her skills. Definitely. Uh, moving up the card, I'm sort of surprised the way some of these fights play out on this fight card, to be honest with you. Uh, next up, Isaac Villanueva against Vinicius Morea. Uh, not too much. I don't know too much about these guys. Uh, if you do, you can give your thoughts or we can move right into the next fight. You know, the only thing I can say about that is, is they're both powerful light heavyweights. Um, I, I don't think that that one will go the distance. I think that one will end via stoppage, but yeah, I don't have a whole lot to say about either one of them. I'm just excited. Anytime heavyweights or light heavyweights fight, cause you got that <laughs> constant feeling of, it could end at any moment, you know? Definitely. Uh, co-main event, Worley Alves against Munir Lazez. Uh, Worley is a, a veteran of, of the cage. Uh, tons of fights inside the octagon. He was on the Ultimate Fighter Brazil. Uh, he actually won the Ultimate Fighter Brazil middleweight tournament and uh, is coming off a loss, triangle choke to Randy Brown in November of last year. So he hasn't been inside the cage for a couple months here. Uh, how do you see this fight playing out? You see Worley picking up the victory, moving on up the ranks. I actually do not. Um, I think Worley loses this fight. I think that he's an outstanding grappler, but I think that he's going to be outstruck on this in this fight. Um, I've I've watched a little bit of uh, I don't even know how to say his opponent's name, Lazaz, maybe. Yeah, Lazaz. I saw him fight versus uh, his last two or three fights. Uh, one was in the UFC, obviously, his debut. He beat uh, Al Hassan, but I think he's the better fighter. I think that Worley Alves is a talented fighter, but I, I don't think he wins this fight. I think he loses. Fair enough, fair enough. I got nothing else to say on top of that one, but let's move to the main event. Uh, this one is a pretty fun matchup on paper. Uh, if you like grappling, it probably will go to the ground. Both these guys utilize their uh, strengths on the ground or on the feet to get to the ground because the ground is both of their wheelhouses. Neil Magny likes to push guys up against the cage and take them to the ground. Michael Chiesa likes to grind, grind, grind to get to the ground to set up his submission game. 
Michael Chiesa versus Neil Magny is a fun fight on paper. Do you see it being a fun fight on Wednesday afternoon? I do. I absolutely see this as being a great fight. Um, I almost don't even want to pick a winner. I'm, I'm big fans of both. Um, Neil Magny, how he's kind of uh, had a rebirth of a career, so to speak. Um, he's just become a dominant force. And I've always been a fan of Michael Chiesa. You know, he's from the Pacific Northwest. Um, I like his style. I, I like the way he fights. To me, that this this is one of the best fights in the welterweight division in terms of skill versus skill, and uh, I can't wait to watch it. I think it's it's a great great fight. It's not too often you see guys that are so close in the rankings. I think they're like one one ranking apart. Magny's at nine, Kiesa's at eight, and uh, both these guys coming into the fight uh, on great on great win streaks. Uh, Neil Magny three-fight streak. We spoke about Lee Jingliang previously. Uh, Magny has a victory over him. He beat Anthony Rocco Martin, and then he beat Robbie Lawler in a surprise uh, upset victory there. Lawler uh, obviously on the tail end of his career, but Magny picked up the victory in that one as well. All three gritty grinding performances where he picked up decisions. On the other hand, Chiesa beat Carlos Condit he beat Diego Sanchez, and he beat former champ Rafael Dos Anjos. Two out of the three were decisions. Carlos Condit, he got the Kimura. It, an actual, it was a cool Kimura at that. It was like a one-armed chicken wing kind of thing that he pulled off. Um, I want to ask you, who you see pulling off the victory in this one? Because, you know, you spoke about it being a fun fight on Wednesday afternoon. You didn't really say who you thought would win. No, I didn't. That was by design. Um <laughs> If if I have to pick a if I have to pick a winner, I would say that it would probably I would lean towards Michael Chiesa. Um, it's it's so close. I mean, to me, this is truly a coin flip type fight. Uh, like you said, they've both come in on winning streaks. I hate to say I'm a little less impressed by Chiesa's. You know, he beat Condit, who I think is, despite being one of my favorite fighters, is past his prime. Diego, which is obviously well past his prime, and Dos Anjos, who at 170 isn't the fighter that he is at 155. Um, I think Neil Magny's run is a little more impressive than Chiesa's, but I just think that Michael Chiesa at 170 is just a hard, hard fight for anybody out there. And uh, I, if yeah. I had, like I said, if I had to pick gun to my head, I'm going to go with Chiesa. I'm leaning Chiesa as well. And now I, I, I'm not taking anything away from Magni because, as you said, his his road to this fight has been impressive. But Chiesa at 70 doesn't have to cut any weight. He's basically naturally walking around at this. He's having fun inside the gym, and he's able to train and eat the way he wants to eat, naturally and healthy. So he's coming into this a force to be reckoned with. Uh, I, I can't see Magni being able to put him away. The only way I see Magny winning this is is grinding his way to a decision, maybe holding him up against the cage if the ref doesn't break them up. I don't think it's going to be very easy to get him to the ground. And if Magny does get him to the ground, Chiesa is very good off his back. So I see Chiesa either grinding his way to victory or I see Chiesa earning a submission victory in this fight. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think Chiesa has more paths to victory than Neil Magny does. 
Um, and like you said, there's a lot to be said for Kiesa being able to not have to cut weight like he used to and eating, you know, what he wants to eat and coming in the train, you know, in better shape and not killing himself to make 155 like he was. And uh, I, I think that the winner of this fight really sets themselves up for a big name fight at 170 moving forward. 100%, man. Well, we said we'd do it in 30, 40 minutes. We went over UFC on ABC One. We went over and previewed UFC on ESPN 20, and we're at about 32 minutes. Uh, Dan, anything else you want to say to the, the listenership or viewership right now uh, about the road work of this show or uh, anything else you got going on coming up over at MMASucker.com? Um, you know what? Just thanks for joining us, and we're going to try to bang these out, and uh, we're going to have some really, really good fighters on the show, some really interesting guests that maybe aren't fighters. And uh, that's, you know, this is Jeremy's baby. He's done all the road work to get this to where it is, and we're going to have a lot of fun with it. And, uh, you know, for me, I'm just, you know, writing small pieces now and then. My, my, my next exciting thing is going to be Bare Knuckle Preview for Knuckle Mania, which is coming up with Paige Van Zant obviously headlining. And, uh, yeah, thanks for coming to the site. Thanks for continuing to uh, to read the articles and support the amazing staff that we have here. And thanks for joining us on the show. And like I said, we're going to we're gonna be doing some fun things for you. Definitely. Now, uh, as Dan said there, head on over to MMASucker.com. we got some cool pieces a few featured pieces right now. Scott Lawler wrote uh, about Michael Chiesa versus Neil Magny. He previewed it and he gave some betting odds. An interesting collaboration for UFC fighters between a company called Hot Suit and uh, obviously you all know Everlast. They combined for a cool collaboration. Uh, Andrew Benjamin, I believe, gave his Rise in 26 standout performances. Brian Knight did a cool piece on uh, Dustin Poirier's first UFC opponent, Josh Crispy, so he gives a, a little nod to what happened to Josh Crispy. And uh, Fraser Cron, one of our editors over at MMA Sucka, gave Max Holloway's top three greatest performances. So have a look at those articles, read the rest of them. We got a cool new feature at MMASucka.com. Don't let it annoy you. It's actually pretty cool. I, I found it really interesting. Uh, that notification bubble, it'll give you the opportunity to click allow notifications on your computer happens the same on your phone or on an iPad or whatever you're on. And anytime a new article gets posted on MMASucker.com, a little pop-up happens showing a preview of the article and you can literally just click on it and head right on over to the site. Uh, pretty cool new feature at MMASucker.com. So make sure you follow us on Twitter at MMASucker. Follow myself on Twitter at JeremyBrand604. Follow Dan on Twitter at DanRoseMMA. And uh, that's about it, guys. Make sure you like, subscribe, stay tuned. We will be back soon. Peace out. Bye.